Which things we talk about first? Um, Discovery. Oh yeah, there was that new trailer, wasn't there? Uh huh. That was a thing that happened. Yeah. What the fuck? Hey, remember when? Remember when Klingons were a thing? But we have Klingons in Discovery. Are they? Are they really? Yes, they're Klingons. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. It says so on the label. (laughs) You're right. They're as much Klingons as the Klingons in Star Trek The Motion Picture were Klingons from the original series. Or they're as much Klingons as the Klingons in the original series were if you started watching with Next Generation. Yeah. So, I'm just wondering if they're, like, gonna, like make note of it or not. Or there's everything like, oh. they have said saying that everything that seems wonky is going to be explained and taken care of. Who said and that? The show producers. Talking about uh the current ones or being... the ones that left? <laughs> the fuckers that just talked to Comic Con talking specifically about oh, okay. Spock's stepsister about how she's never mentioned again. And they basically said, Yes, we know that. We're gonna cover it. Chill. Okay, so I'm that, assuming they're taking this attitude towards everything that appears to be wrong until we're proven otherwise. You know what the Which... explanation for everything's going to be? New timeline. <laughs> Superboy punched the walls of reality. And you know what? <laughs> if it's a new timeline, I, I'm not going to hold that against it. I'm not going to necessarily have a problem with that. I didn't have a problem specifically with the uh, movies being a new timeline. I just didn't like the way the movies were executed. Well... The way, actually, I'm kind of looking at it is, if these are Klingons, they could very well be, like, Klingons from another sect, or they're from, like, they're time-traveling, either forward or past. There you go. Uh, yeah, uh, which I'd be totally cool with. I mean, these could be, like, primeval they- Klingons or Klingons from the future. Either one, I'm actually okay with. It's just, if they, as long as they explain it, that's all I care about. If they just go, no, this is just what Klingons look like, Don't, didn't you know? Then that'll, then that'll annoy me. I don't see anything to indicate that they're just, they're handling the Star Trek franchise with ham hands. They've been talking up about how they know what they're doing and just have some faith in them, basically. Um, And there's been a lot of hints that time travel is going to be involved in this somehow. Nothing specific, but speculating? Weren't we speculating last week that the discovery itself might be from the future? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And in the trailer, there's a line from the captain that's rubbed me as being time travel soundy. I don't recall what it was off my head, but I'm just like, huh. <laughs> right, right. No, no, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I recall something like that too. But yeah, if if they do that, that's fine. I mean, I I don't have any problem with that uh, at all. I don't mind that something looks new as long as they explain kind of why. You know, that's like, it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Change things. Change them, but change them well. And if you do it well. I don't care. <laughs> right. So now here's here's one thing. I was watching a video because in the in the uh, they also released some like promo images of some specific things like the communicators and the phasers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The phasers are this awesome mix between the cage, which you know happened before TOS, mm-hmm. and TOS phasers. They make that they they're a beautiful synthesis of the two, so they're actually perfectly in the timeline where they should be. I like those goofy. A, I like the goofy soup can guns they have in the cage. Yeah, and it, this is that because it has the three different size holes at the end uh, where the the emitters are. <laughs> just <laughs> stop it. Um, <laughs> just like they do in the cage, but you can see how it's more advanced than the cage, but less advanced than TOS with the single little emitter 
spike or whatever. So awesome. Fucking awesome. If it's done with that level of care and attention to the timeline and to the to the era, beautiful. No complaints from me. Right. I mean, so you can see there that even though it's been reskinned to look modern, it's still paying attention to what it should be. So does the uh, new communicator have like a rotary dial on it? <laughs> no, but but it has the three buttons on it on the bottom and that the center circle thing instead of being that moray pattern or whatever, yeah, it's mm-hmm. actually like a little screen. Which so it makes, makes sense. sense. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. It makes sense. The communicators are beautiful too. They yeah. even have the the, the the whole pattern on the on the grill that pops up is the same as that grill pattern they used in the cage, which is again fucking awesome. See, I will forgive a show a lot of things if it's got like good thoughtful production design. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And what we've seen so far is that this production design is thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like it'd be really weird for me if they take this amount of nerd detail to the communicator and the phaser and say fuck it to other things like the Klingons. Agreed. Therefore, I'm giving them benefit of the doubt until they prove otherwise. I think they know what they're doing. I think it's going to be fine. Okay. Now, I mean, how I, do you I, feel if these Klingons are explained to be a result of the uh, augment storyline from Enterprise? I'd be okay with that, too. Yeah, well, yeah, I know you would. I wasn't sure how Mickey would. <laughs> I actually don't have any problems with that. That's, I mean, Enterprise is you know boring as hell, but the the augment storyline, I don't have any problems with that as an explanation. Okay. Do you? Not particularly. I mean, okay. Well, I mean, I mean, it's it is definitely a valid direction they could take this because like these Klingons do look like a. A uh, bridging point between TOS and movie and TNG Klingons, mm. in certain respects. So, yeah, my only problem is they look a little too close to like JJ verse Klingons, which annoys me for the exact reasons we're talking about now. They just they didn't really explain why they look so different. They were cool looking, they just looked too different without any explanation. Mm-hmm. They're like too alien looking. It's, I don't know. They're too reptilian or something. The uh, aliens are too alien looking in star trek that's a valid complaint Uh, yeah yeah thank you (laughs) (laughs) like i'll give him that one (laughs) Uh, i have no problem with evolving makeup to the modern era no sure no as long as there is a um a lineage you can trace in the appearance Mm. as it evolves over time i don't have a problem with that either now by contrast, like the one time a Gorn appeared in Enterprise, which was in the in a mere darkly two parter, it was not you know a Godzilla man anymore. It was a CGI dinosaur thing, and that was just kind of too much all at once, you know. Yeah, which is what I like about how Star Trek Online when they when they do the Here we go. the the Gorn. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, it's canon, baby. It's CBS. Uh, I love how they did it because they, they, they bridged the gap between making them look like goofy, you know, Godzilla people and actually like badass lizard guys. And that like the multifaceted eyes are like covers they wear over their normal eyes and stuff. So to me, they explain the Gorn and the Gorn are actually badass in Star Trek Online and, and they don't feel overdone. You know what I mean? Like like the like the Klingons we're looking at now in Discovery currently. thing is, if you line up original series Klingon, next gen Klingon and – Doing the JJ Verse Klingon and the Abrams Klingon, which one doesn't look like it could be related to the others? Well, yes, the TOS one, obviously. Right. So looking at the Discovery Klingon versus the original series Klingon, you could see them being the same species, just different phenotypes. The same way you could say I have an Eskimo be the same species as someone, you know, from Africa. Right. See, They're both I... human, but 
phenotypes. See, what I would oh, like, sure, sure. What I'd kind of like to see, as we get on this, uh, you know, subject of discussion, like have the storyline be. It is Klingons from the future, and they're trying to prevent like the genocide of their phenotype. You know, their their specific race of Klingons that happens sometime around this time period. Sure. Or, or, or they're like, they're like an offshoot, you know? I mean, like I said, there's just, just a different phenotype. Cause I mean, hell, there are black Vulcans. So what if they're the, like the, how Romulus is the Vulcan, maybe they're, they're a different thing of Klingons like that. Right. Well, right. what I'm thinking is if time travel is involved and these are from like, say a couple hundred years in the future, have it be like a group of Klingons that are like pretty much evenly split half Klingon. Like, there's so much interbreeding now that basically they are a new species. Yeah. Yeah, because I can see where maybe, because there's also, like, in the Klingon history, if you want to get really nerdy, you know, the, I think Gee, the Herc. us get really nerdy? <laughs> right, yeah, I don't want to, I want to make this a bridge too far for you guys but, uh, and girls, but, uh, like, in the Klingon history, like, the Herc, which was, like, some other race that came down and kind of interbred with them for a little bit and gave them the technology and there's like all these different little subspecies that are a part of the Klingon Empire. So they could be interbred, they could be augmented, the they Herc, could be... The good thing about the Herc is that they establish it's not like a specifically named species. Herc is just a Klingon word for outsider. Right, right. So it could be anything. Yeah. It gives them a lot of leeway, which is a smart thing to do. I'm the same reason that, you know, it's smart for them to use computer terms that are fictional. <laughs> I can also see them being primal Klingons as well, because... A lot of what they've shown seems very religious and ornate in the way you'd think, like an Indiana yes. Jones kind of ancient way. Mm -hmm. Yes. It doesn't seem high technology. It seems way more primitive and fancy gold inlays. And, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's actually where I was going next. You beat me to it. That's an excellent point. It looks very much more religious and culty and, and shamanistic and almost as if they're part of like some sort of religious cult. Maybe. They're Stargate Klingons. Yeah. So they're boring. Okay. I could kick you. <laughs> like, not off the call, just, like, physically kick you. Oh, right, yeah. No, I learned what if you guys talking about the movie PC Stargate? No, that's the boring thing. But it's got Jeff Goldblum in it. Or we could be, talk <laughs> we could be talking about Stargate 3, which is, you know... Thor 2? Yeah. Or Thor 3, rather? Yeah. I keep forgetting there was a Thor 2. Yes, for, for a short time, I felt like I was the only person who was seeing that trailer for what it really was, and I remembered you existed, and you almost certainly would agree with me. Do you know what the crazy thing is, though? You're actually into it. Yes. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> but I am fully aware that I'm, I am probably being tricked by two things. One, uh, the villain is basically Rita Repulsa all over again, which, you know, makes me hard. <laughs> and yeah. two, the soundtrack they have for that trailer is fucking outstanding. Okay, see, that, uh, that yeah, music I, I, pushes my 80s buttons, like right in the prostate. Yes. And if you strip that music out and put some generic or orchestral shit, I would not be connecting with it. I can already tell that. Okay, I can, oh, I can see those factors. Because, like, my problem is more fundamental where, um, it is just generic sci-fi slash fantasy action plot with some Marvel names copy and pasted in. I, I, I like, like, Hey Mickey, I really like that eighties vaporwave aesthetic with the colors and the sounds. And it looks like a comic book. Imagine a comic movie that looks like a comic book. But wow. to me, I see those things added in. It just seems like an affectation. 
Well, it's an aesthetic, not just an affectation. It's a whole aesthetic that matches the the uh, content. I think it's perfect. Well, but here's the thing, though. The minus the soundtrack and minus the logo, there's nothing specifically '80s about that movie. And minus well, I think... and minus the names and 15 minutes of Planet Hulk just for the hell of it. There's nothing Marvel about this movie. Uh, I don't know. I actually disagree with both of those. I, mean, I think that I don't think there's the any... color palette. It's very 80s. Those primary colors is very 80s. Uh, and I, I mean, this is a story directly from the Marvel comics, so how could it not be Marvel? Okay, I'll rephrase. The trailer is not showing me anything of this movie that makes me think that it would have to be portrayed by Marvel characters. I mean... Like, you could put any group... You could just put any kind of cast onto this story beat, and it would work exactly the same. I not having seen the movie, I don't know how you're that, determining. That's why that. I'm saying that is what the trailer is showing me. Oh. Yeah, we're just judging based on trailer alone. Oh, okay, all right. Which well, you know is the whole case, point yeah. of having a trailer to to judge the movie on it before it comes out. Yes, it's both, the trailer is supposed to sell you on the movie. <laughs> well, I'm sold. And uh-huh. I mean, like, it's flashy and probably fun. I just don't feel like it needs to be a Marvel movie. That's that's okay. the thing. There's nothing about the trailer that's telling me this is a Marvel story or this is a Marvel movie or this needs Marvel characters to do what it's doing. This is just a movie plot they had sitting and they turned it into the next Thor movie. Well, I mean, I mean, I disagree only because I know this, all the stuff that happens is based on a comic story from Thor. So I know this is a story arc specifically from Thor. So. But the trailer is not selling that well. I mean, what do they want you to do? Like show you the panels they're taking this from? I mean, what are you expecting exactly? Well, it's kind of a failure if they have to like show the comic panels to really relate the point. <laughs> you know. Okay. No, like my whole thing is if I was making a trailer for this movie, what I would be focusing on, the story I'd be trying to tell in the trailer is just the interactions between Thor and Banner. Because like those parts are entertaining to me. And even if the movie is not about the Thor Hulk buddy cop thing, which it should be. Uh, that's the angle they need to play up to make the trailer, make the movie look appealing and make it look like it's about Marvel characters specifically. You know, there's, there's a little bit of that in that trailer, but not enough. It's not focusing on it. Like I think it should. Well, yeah. that's a general problem. With Marvel movies in, in, in general, <laughs> uh, generally well, speaking. Yeah. yeah. That. They're more focused on spectacle than character. And they have a really good, uh, you know, character setup here that they could be drawing from. And the movie might do that. We don't know that yet because the trailer is not showing it to us. But I suppose. I mean, I, I personally think that's asking a little bit too much for the trailer because you're asking it to give away like plot points and character. That's development what trailers do. A, they, they really <laughs> trailers give give character development and trailers trailer. essentially by the. T- You'll, from the trailers, you'll essentially see the whole movie. Scott, <laughs> did, were you not paying attention in the lead-up to the last night? They basically played the whole movie in the trailers for, like, six months ahead of time. For who? Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, trans- that Transformers movie nobody went to see because they saw it all in the trailers? Well, but in fairness, Transformers movies have, the, uh, have so much plot it would fit in a thimble anyway. Yeah. So it's easy to show the whole thing in the trailer because there isn't that much plot to show. <laughs> also, they made like 50 or 60 trailers. Yes. 
That's okay, barely so an exaggeration. Now I have a problem with you comparing these movies to the Transformers movies. See, I think right you're already kind of losing ground. <laughs> so, Mickey, how would you compare the average Marvel movie to a Transformers movie? Vastly superior. <laughs> now, f- filter that through what you know about what I think about Marvel uh-huh. movies. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you think it's... I mean, based I'd rather on how... watch lesbian porn than a Transformers movie. Based on how yeah. you feel about the Marvel movies in general, do you think this is a fair comparison? Is what a fair comparison? Uh, the Transform, like Transformers: The Last Night's, you know, whole trailer giveaway thing versus the quality of Marvel movies. You know, the, know. the conversation we've actually been having. Yeah, I've tuned out this conversation because it's gotten boring. Because <laughs> you stopped talking. But let's talk about why this movie isn't '80s for a different reason. Okay, let's focus the conversation back on me where it belongs. Well, <laughs> um, because basically the movie is not shot like an 80s movie. It's full of CGI, big epic changing shots, you know, swinging cameras. Um, if this was an 80s movie, this would be like 100% Jim Henson. Very controlled camera angles. Large yeah, sets. Yeah, sets. Physical things. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, no, or, I, I get or that. Or at least yeah, like, I mean, you know, matte paintings. Yeah, the yeah, aesthetic. So, May be eighties, but the the actual uh, production is not. Production. Is it should not be looking right. like the Flash Gordon movie. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is yes. You are spot on. That is what this should look like. <laughs> not to be fair, like... everything should look like the Flash Gordon movie, <laughs> <laughs> and sound like the Flash Gordon movie, and have Brian Blessed in it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> If every movie could have Brian Blessed and Tim Curry in it, there will be a better place. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> That's a given. At the same time, though, you would never need, like, other actors. Every movie we still would just... don't need other actors. We just need those two. Yeah, every movie would just be this two-man show. I think that's Hey Mickey's favorite kind of show. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I don't think he's so limited, Scott. Yeah, three, <laughs> four... <laughs> Hell, a whole daisy chain of them. <laughs> but do you hook them up in parallel or series? Serially, sure. Perpendicular. <laughs> like a herringbone pattern, you know, they're diagonal. You, know. you said, what are we bone. talking about, Star Trek? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it always devolves into gay porn, isn't it? <laughs> Speaking of gay porn, should we get on to the actual episode discussion? Yeah. You know, 25 minutes later. <laughs> we had important things to talk about. Superhero Time presents that one episode of Star Trek. With Chris. Are there any of life's problems that can't be solved by setting someone else up to be murdered? Hey, Mickey. I just heard him screaming nutsack into the Xbox microphone in the other room, so he's okay. Scott. I just love the way Leonard Nimoy moved his fingers. And Fort Max. Andy died of AIDS. This week on that one episode of Star Trek, which you've probably already heard about 20 minutes of because all that's going into pre-show or cold open, whatever you want to call it. Um, shit, what did we do this week? 
if wishes were horses. Yes, I did watch it. I just didn't remember because I watched a couple episodes, a couple other episodes in the meantime. Yeah, you've been posting like crazy on Twitter with your little screen caps. Yeah, it's fun. It is fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun. Star Trek's pretty stupid, especially when you like, you know, present it out of context. Right, right. Of course, uh, which you know, is best ho- sort of context? Yeah, yeah. Or sometimes even in context is pretty fucking stupid. As in season one, episode fifteen of DS Nine. I mean, it is a season one episode. Oh God, it's so season one. This is the same season that gave us the storyteller. Uh, and duet, a duet, and um, what was the other one? Tears of the Prophets was the season finale, I think. Um, those are flukes basically <laughs> yeah and like you can kind of tell that because they are back to back in the lineup like do us the next to last episode in the hands of the prophets is the last episode of the season at that point i think they finally kind of got a handle on what they were trying to do now if wishes were horses there's only a few episodes back from that but um yeah that is such a season one episode you know it seems like a season one tng episode to me i mean it just as easily could have been yeah, it really could have been. Mm-hmm. And it would have gone exactly the same. There was nothing about this episode that could have been, like, not transplanted somewhere else. Much, yeah. much like the plot to Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> My God, here we go again. <laughs> okay, we're going back to the cold open. <laughs> Restart everything. This week on Superhero Time, time loops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we already did that episode. We're going to do it again, too. <laughs> and, and then three. again. And again. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's run a pattern matching algorithm on the number three. That won't take long at all. <laughs> oh. Okay, who's driving this crazy train? Scott or Mickey? Scott. Well, okay then. I drove drunk last week. Yeah, but what'd you do on the podcast, though? Oh! (laughs) You're a danger to yourself and others. Obvious jokes are obvious. (laughs) All righty. All right, so uh, wishes were horses. Now, we do get... uh, I I do have opinions. We'll we'll, we'll get to the opinions. You always have opinions, Scott. One of my favorite opinions is that Quark is the best character ever. He steals every scene that he's in, and he's always a pleasure to watch. I will permit that opinion, <laughs> being that it is correct. All right, so we open up. We're in Quark's bar. Uh, Quark is talking to Odo. Um, Odo is just there just to be annoyed, I guess. They really explained why he's sitting here. So Quark is there to watch Quark. Oh, so Quark is in there offering all kinds of stuff. Do you want Look, we, we know <laughs> what his hobby is, tormenting Quark. <laughs> So Quark is trying to offer him all these things, like, oh, well, maybe I could send you to a holodeck, you know? Would you like a hollow suite or something? And, of course, he's like, ew, no. Ah, porn. And now we get the setup for the episode, and Quark's like, oh, you just have no imagination. Which, well, which Odo is just like... to tempt Odo with, like, a holographic female shapeshifter. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how he, he, he swirls a glass of Windex to entice him. <laughs> you know, you could intermingle. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> He's like, you're disgusting. Corey just goes, it's a living. Little does Odo know that two years later, that's exactly what he'd be doing. 
Uh, Quark's lack of shame is always enjoyable. So we see a, a young Jake walk by with a baseball bat and mitt. To which Odo comments, uh, I hope you're not letting him into your porn programs, you little sicko. To Quark then goes in this big tirade about, no, of course not. There's more profit in family-friendly affair, you know, family values, because it's the 90s. There's so many Starfleet people on here, it actually pays to have family-friendly entertainment, not just, you know, four-dimensional porn. I do like the little bit of acknowledgement of the technology here, because, like, he's talking about trying to get access to the adjacent space on the promenade so he can put in more suites, but still use the same, like, projector generator system. This yeah. is like when Moe's Tavern expanded into the family-friendly restaurant. Yes, it is. Simpsons did it. Except here it never happened. It's me, Uncle Quark, while you eat! (laughs) 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 Uh, So, and also, uh, in this little conversation, we learned that Odo cannot smell. I don't know if that ever comes up later in the series. Krillin can't smell either. No, he does smell. He smells terrible. Ha ha! (laughs) Obvious jokes. (laughs) Charlie Brown-looking motherfucker. But enough about you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in, in this conversation, Quark suddenly has this this weird fantasy of basically Disney World, but for Ferengi. But there's like all these games and rides, but there's Ferengi hawking cheap baubles at every every corner, <laughs> selling useless souvenirs. It's like, oh, that's funny. He's making fun of humans. Humans. Okay. All right. Yeah, you're negotiating for lease space. Fascinating. Tell us more about how space station leasing works. Thank you. I this is world building. I assume it's just like, you know, every afternoon he goes up to ops and knocks on Cisco's door and then Cisco pretends he's not there and then the negotiation's over until the next day. Yeah. All right, so somewhere else in Quark's bar, we we cut in a very personal and private conversation between Jadzia Dax <laughs> and Dr. Bashir. Where Dr. So, Bashir is introduced to the friend zone. This is the thirstiest augment. <laughs> he is, he's like, like, I can't stop thinking about you. I must have you. And she's like, that's adorable. Pats him on the head and pats him on the butt and says, go run along and play with the other children. <laughs> well, okay. So like, yeah, Julian's all... I can't stop thinking about you. You're constantly on my mind. And then she's just like, okay, what about that Betazoid Ensign last week? Right. No, no, it's a, it's a pale substitute for you. And then, you know, there's another one that's just like barely adequate. So my question is, is she aware of every one of his sexual conquests and how? Is it because she controls? The he probably system? doesn't shut up about them. Yeah, have you? Have you? Have you? Have you, perhaps, <laughs> have you been around? Have you seen Bashir? Have you perhaps? The man doesn't shut up. Have you perhaps you noticed her about them right before this conversation? <laughs> perhaps you have noticed Doctor Bashir and his, you know, lack of subtlety. Yeah, he didn't get super subtlety as an augment power. That's for sure. He did. He's just focusing all of it on not giving away his secret that doesn't actually exist yet. Right. He's creating false flaws in himself. Yeah, so Jadzia has is, is not even playing with him. So she knows that he's hot to trot, but she's just not interested. Try a high-frequency sonic shower. 
<laughs> I did. It didn't help. Be fine. Right. I mean, I guess a shrill noise like that would kind of, you know, kill your boner. Oh, you know what they say. A trill noise. Oh. Also, something else I learned in this episode. Be seeing spots. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Get out. No, but I love how Gen Zia treats him. It's like, she's not bothered by any of this, really. No. Because she's so fucking old. Yeah. She just thinks it's adorable. <laughs> That's so quaint. You're so human and young. Thinking about your penis and shit. Right. I'll be in ops looking at Nebula. Shit that's I, actually interesting. I have to think, like, pre-joining Jadzia would be really bothered by this. And, like, the amusement now is just because her perspective's been opened up so much. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. yeah, totally. A normal person would be like, ew, you're disgusting. Well, and the thing is, too, like, as time progresses, her reactions stop being so aloof. Because I think it's to that point where the fusion has become so complete, like all the experiences of this aren't like new and novel feeling for either side anymore. Like it just feels like the way she is in season one is like a transition. Cause she is just freshly joined with the symbiote. Right. right. But that's kind of cool that to look is... back on and see that kind of thing, even though it probably wasn't intentional. Right. Right. Well, one thing that I know that the symbiote does still enjoy is the dramatic entrance of the ops elevator. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus Christ, they, they pop up out of the ground like Batman or something. It's awesome. <laughs> she has her head down like she's coming up on a concert stage or something while they're saying their name really loud. Sparks goes off and everything, and there's little flame jets. Wrestling entrance. Right. <laughs> so she goes around the corner in ops and Cisco's asking, so how's the young doctor? And she just smirks with that little shitty grin and goes, young. Balls <laughs> <laughs> are as blue as his shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, so my question is, why would Cisco care how the doctor? I mean, I guess Cisco knows just how fucking thirsty he is. <laughs> Yes, because an early episode this season had uh, Bashir have dinner with Cisco and basically grill him for information about Jedzia. Oh. Even though Cisco had technically only just met Jedzia like two weeks earlier himself. Well, he knew Curzon though. He yeah, Kurzon, although you know, as the you... old man liked. <laughs> yeah, as you know, that's not necessarily applicable anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. For one thing, it doesn't have a penis you can give him a reach around with. Well, and one of the one of the elements of those early episodes too was that Cisco was also trying to get to know Dax again too because of that change. Right, right. There's cool stuff in season one. It's just kind of mired down in bad writing and, you know, vague shit. Yeah. I, I did always like the, the Cisco and, and uh, Dax thing, how we knew the symbiote before. Uh, that was, to me, always a very unique and interesting. That, that, that's very Star Trek to me. It's the a only- very sci-fi concept. And it, I think they handle it really well. I, the, I really like that. The only complaint I have about that is when it changes to Esri, like Cisco immediately goes back into the old man thing. Like, I think that's something that should have kind of died off with Jadzia, no pun intended. Yeah, like, their was, relationship should have changed with the new host. Well, yeah, it was two lifetimes ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, one, maybe. Okay, I can see that. But like two or three, it's just like, why would the symbiote even care that Especially point? since one of Esri's early things was, I'm not the old man. But then, oh, right, like, an episode right. later, she just stops giving a shit. 
anyway we're kind of getting think, off base here right okay so the most important thing that ever happens in this episode is is occurring now which is there's a slight increase in thoron emissions from their power grid <laughs> yep wait i thought the emissions were coming from the denarius belt uh, well, they, 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 they wonder that they wonder if some ships have brought it in that might be affecting the energy grid, oh, okay. but it's the energy grid itself. That's giving off these Thoron emissions. These specifics are dull. Yes, they are. <laughs> these and specifics are dull and they barely matter. And, and this is one of those first instances. I start thinking to myself, John Zia Dax is the worst science officer. Oh no, no. Uh, we meet the worst <laughs> science officer later in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, it, well, no, it happens, but I mean, just here. Yes, I know, Jen is officially the science officer, so she is technically the worst, but there she is, a, is. there is a part later on that I am just in love with. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think I know what part you're talking about. I yes, screen capped we'll, we'll, it. Oh, yeah, 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 it is pretty rad, <laughs> and I'm glad you did, cause, because when I watched the episode, I was like, ha! Ah. <sighs> All right, so we get down into... Uh, uh, potatoes and sushi room. <laughs> I mean, Miles O'Brien's uh, quarters with his wife Kiko and they're just Keiko. fucking adorable. Keiko. That's what I said. The Kiko. Whatever. That sounds racist. <laughs> oh, just you wait. But I gotta say, though, their daughter, Molly, is the most adorable creature I think I've ever seen in my life. Oh my god, yes. I Mm. I don't know how they found like a, a toddler actress who actually appears to be cute instead of obnoxious, and actually like delivers lines well. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Are yeah, we sure she's not actually like twelve and just you know smoked a lot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so they, baby Molly is adorable as shit in this episode. They keep oh, the yeah. same little girl actress for Molly for every appearance. Yeah. Really? That's yeah. fascinating. Well, except for the is episode it, where she like ages up to be twenty. Oh, that'd be a little bit, you know, difficult to emulate. <laughs> they just gave her some lifts. Yeah, yeah, some <laughs> high heels should be fine. Some makeup. <laughs> All right, so O'Brien's reading her Rumpelstiltskin. Yes. So yeah, so basically, we're just hearing the Irish version of Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> uh, okay, so is, is his name? Silly. <laughs> O'Brien's Rumpelstiltskin voice is silly. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Yeah. Okay. So do you say the name? No, that's not my name. Is this my name? No, that's not my name. Oh, but is your name Rumpelstiltskin? Oh, no. And then he splits in half and then dies. And okay. And then he goes away. So everything's fine. All right. So that's apparently how this works. Oh, God. <laughs> But at least so the, the kid's cute. So they leave the room to bone. Yes. <laughs> Job get well done. Watched by Molly. Again. Because Rumpelstiltskin is now in her room. Yeah, O'Brien's apparently going to tuck her in. Look, don't but make I mean, this don't make this sound creepy, Scott. <laughs> no, he's going to tuck Kiko in. Oh, okay. I got okay. He's going to tuck her at, hard. You know, just at the point you brought that up, it kind of could have gone the other way. <laughs> You know, I I do know, but I'm not going to acknowledge. I'm not going to acknowledge that. You just did. There's already I'm... a gross warty thing in Molly's room. She doesn't need another one. <laughs> okay, all right. I'll come in and check, and it's bedtime. And then Brian's like, "Why do we tell her these stories?" Well, gee, I don't know, dude. You just did it. 
That's what you get for telling like German stories. They're terrifying. So he comes around the corner and I'm gonna assume that Keiko bed. told him to you uh, tell her that story. <laughs> oh yeah. So comes in and what do you know? It's Rumpelstiltskin and he's trying to uh, offer his services. If you know what I mean. Yeah, and I think I think I do. Obvious jokes are obvious. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If you. And he see. starts digging around the, the apartment for straw because he knows that O'Brien is Irish. <laughs> like, I've been on a spaceship before. There were Irish. There was also straw. <laughs> well, O'Brien's fresh out of straw, barefoot. but if you can spin potatoes into gold, we are, we're all, we'll all be set. Uh, O'Brien would rather have the potatoes. Thank you very much. <laughs> but if he, if he turned the potatoes into gold, think how many more potatoes he could buy. <laughs> Can't eat gold. All right. So O'Brien comes running out of the room with Molly and, and tosses her at, at Kiko. Keiko, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so the robot doesn't come around the corner and she's like, what the fuck? And he's like, just leave. I'll deal with this. And the robot still gets all creepy. He's like, oh, now it's just a sausage party. You sent all the women away. <laughs> um, No security. So he Rumble Rumble still starts going around the room, just knocking shit over for no reason, looking for straw, some, I guess. Or potatoes. I mean, we're not sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he is. He's absolutely convinced he's looking for straw. Uh, O'Brien asks the normal question of, what are you? To which Rumpelstiltskin replies, you should know you were just telling a story about me. So O'Brien, full of bravado, says his name, which does not make him disappear and just slightly annoys Yes. Yeah. All right. So he he can't be gotten rid of by saying his name. So that sucks. So uh, two security goons come in who actually look like security guys. These guys actually look kind of intimidating. Mm-hmm. I like how the, how to be fair, is... they're in the same room with the old tiny person and, and Miles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So especially by comparison, these guys are just absolute badasses. <laughs> Point taken. Uh, I like how Robo still is He like kind of holds his hands up and goes, "Yeah, it's fine. I'm a friendly guy." And they look at him. They start putting away their weapons, like they're like they believed him. It's like, "Oh, well, he says he's fine, so let's just put away our weapons." <laughs> uh, which I think is hilarious. And then O'Brien is just like, "Fucking take him away!" And they go to grab him, and he blips out of existence, and then appears behind them and gooses one of them on the butt cheek. So he's still trying to get O'Brien to make him a deal so he can do something. Miles, not knowing what else to do, goes, Dad, can you come to my room? There's something scary here. <laughs> so Cisco starts to leave the room. Jake stops and goes, um, there's something I need to show you. He followed me home from the holodeck. Can I and keep there him? stands the greatest athlete of the 21st century, Buck Bokai. Five and a half feet tall, pedgy Asian dude who plays baseball. You may not, you may not like it, but this is what peak performance looks like. <laughs> it looks like a fish sausage been stuffed into like a baseball uniform and wieners. <laughs> and now I have to say, the only person more adorable than Molly in this episode is Buck Bokai. <laughs> He's adorable. And I then you find I like how this episode brings up all sort of implications about how baseball ends up. <laughs> yes, some of it's not even implications. Building. Some of it is just stated outright. Yeah. It goes out with a whimper of apathy. <laughs> yeah. 
500 people attended the last World Series. 300. No, no, 300, 300. <laughs> the last stand of the 300. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, so then we cut up to sick bay where Bashir is taking a nap on one of the sick beds. Isn't he in his quarters? Uh, I don't know. It kind of looks like sick bay. But he was in his I, quarters. I could... Yeah, maybe he's in his quarters. So he's kind of reading a pad, falling asleep. As he's sleeping, suddenly a hand starts caressing him, to which he just was like, mm-hmm, this is perfectly normal. And it turns out to be a monkey. Oh, no, I'm <laughs> sorry, that's every which way but loose. Yes. Which, the similarities between this and that in this episode are, are profound. We will get to that later. I trust you will explain that. No? Okay. All right, so... <laughs> So Jadzia is there and just starts trying to jump his bones, to which shocks and confuses Bashir. See, no, actually, I kind of like this, and that Bashir immediately realizes that this is not right. Yeah, he's like, "No, Jadzia is not into me at all. What, what, what's something wrong with you? You're obviously space sick." Right, right. He said, "Well, maybe." Or it's me, wait, I'm maybe sick. I'm space sick. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> maybe this is me. Maybe I'm hallucinating. Right, right. <laughs> Which I do like that, too. That is his immediate response, which I think is fine. Um, yeah, but then again, he really likes it, so he's just like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do this. <laughs> he may never get another chance. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do like this thing, because Bashir, Bashir is really funny in this. <laughs> and he finally relents. And as soon as he's about to get busy... Face. Yeah. Um, all like, up in uh, your spots. He's gonna, he's gonna count them. He's gonna count your spots. That joke was made in another episode. Yeah, I know. It's it's a he's gonna open up for a big brown spot. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, so right before he's about to get busy, uh, the message comes over the intercom: all senior staff to ops. Oh, great. So he quickly realizes, oh, this is just a joke. You want to get me all hot and bothered, and then I'm going to go up to Ops, and everyone's going to laugh at me because you tricked me thinking... The and then they're walking with all a boner. the crew pops out of his closet with a camera laughing. Yeah. <laughs> and like goes over and slaps in the balls like jackass or something. <laughs> all right. So he runs up to Ops with Jadzia. And the I, boner, probably. Some... Yeah, he's pretty, yeah, the uniforms do not do a lot to hide those, by the way. <laughs> is that a hypo spray in your pocket? You're just happy to see me. So he goes to the bridge, and there's Buck Bokai, who's just like, yeah, I'm here. I don't know how or why, but meh, whatever. I like baseball. Have I mentioned baseball yet in this scene? <laughs> and Rumpelstiltskin sitting on the console, punching Miles in the chest. So pleasantries are exchanged. Everyone introduces one another. Uh, Cisco realizes, well, does this have anything to do with the Theron emissions? So they all look at John Zia, and she's like, teehee, what? <laughs> and then John Tee-hee, Zia says, what? I'm a girl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too horny to think straight. And then, Science, uh, just like numbers and stuff. <laughs> and then Jadzia steps off the lift and goes, maybe you should ask me. It was I, the real Jadzia. The whole time. It was me, Dio. <laughs> All right, oh, so they're examining Buck Bokai, and uh, Bashir says, no, they, they're real flesh and blood creatures. These are These are real people. You know, they're as real as they can be real. Which is confusing to everyone, because at least Buck Bokai at least start off as a hologram, so... 
I kind of like how Cisco never really gives in. Just like, uh, yeah, sure, there we go, whatever. Let's figure out what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, he spends the whole episode very skeptical of everything. He's just like, because he knows that, well, that's, you're not really, but okay, he explains it to him. Like, you're not the real guy. I programmed you to say these things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how, but okay, he goes, oh, but I remember things. I remember, you know, all the games I played in, in the 42 World Series and this and the other. He doesn't remember, like, you know, his childhood or any, like his pet he had as a kid. He only remembers baseball because, of course, he would. I wonder if there's, like, some kind of Bechtel test for baseball that, Bokai is fa- failing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so... Bokai's Bechtel baseball test. <laughs> so they, they also figure out that these are all entities out of people's imaginations, including Jud- fake Jadzia, Rumpelstiltskin, and Buck Bokai, uh, which, of course, Bashir is but beside himself with embarrassment, which I think is hilarious, because that would suck if, like, your sexual fantasy, especially about a co-worker popped up in reality. <laughs> uh, all right, so Jadzia tries to act scientific and goes, oh, well, maybe I missed some sort of subspace field weird thing, and then I'll make a I check really wasn't trying very hard at my job earlier. Maybe I should do something. <laughs> Basically, maybe I missed something. Let me look again. Uh, so Bashir, something very telling happens. Bashir goes, look, I don't have time to deal with you right now. we got to solve this problem, to which fake Jadzia just disappears, blinks out of existence. Oh, okay. That was easy. Man, I wish all women I slipped with did that. Uh, In Bashir's case, I'm pretty sure they do. I wish that too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, usually during. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So Odo calls up to Ops and goes, "Uh, is there something wrong with the environmental controls? They're like, no, why? (laughs) Uh, You got a couple of snow on on the promenade. (laughs) <laughs> We're looking at five or six centimeters down here, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, Cisco bemusedly goes to yellow alert. We're all in intimate danger. <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the attitude. And Kira is quick to say, now, really? Wouldn't, wouldn't this be blue alert? No, that's blue what Bashir alert. has. <laughs> He's definitely on blue alert. I like how Kira does not imagine anything because she has no imagination. Well, she imagines something later. Yeah. All right. So they detect some sort of subspace thing, and there's particles that go into it and disappear. Uh, it's unstable. They're not sure. Ugh, whatever. Subspace All particle of Voyager's Techno Babble is based off this one scene. Yeah, pretty much. All right. So Cisco says, fine, just get a class four probe. Go check it out, Miles. So when she starts kind of banging around L cars, and Rumble still tries to help. I'm pushing hey, buttons. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> what is this button Grab that. Grab that. Uh, so down on the promenade, there's an emu that's harassing Odo. Well, they give it a fancier name than that. They do. It's just an emu. Yeah, uh, I, I just kind of love this for the sheer ridiculous stuff. Like, let's get <laughs> Odo fighting an emu on camera. <laughs> <laughs> And, and later then they... later, they get another emu. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> See, this, this is part one. Well, this is one of the many parts of why I started imagining Goto as Akira from Tokuger. I wonder if this is like a, a playbook to David Letterman's Oprah and Uma thing. <laughs> and we got Odo and Emu. Oh my god. 
<laughs> is it time relevant for that? I don't uh, remember when that happened. I have no idea what you're talking about. Emu, before you were Odo, born. Odo, Emu. And then you just smile at the camera for about 15 seconds without moving. <laughs> Why isn't this hilarious? All right. Oh, it was a family yeah, was guy like, bit? No, no, this really happened. David Letterman, was it the Grammys or Oscars or some Os- shit like that? I think that? the Oscars he was hosting. Yeah. And he did this weird joke about comparing Uma Thurman's name with Oprah. And he just went Uma and Oprah over and over again for like, it felt like half an hour and nobody laughed. And Letterman being Letterman rode it into the ground. Because <laughs> if he was going to make it funny, he'd make it memorable. Right. And right. apparently he succeeded. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a little it, thing. It's, it, it's an epic joke bomb. Mm-hmm. Like legendary. Of mm-hmm. How badly a joke can go. I mean, yeah, if you're going <clears> to <throat> fail a joke, commit. Because oh, yeah, all you have good. left at that point. Yeah. So uh, Odo goes into Quark's bar where there's quite the ruckus occurring uh, because everyone's winning at Dabo. Well, Quark doesn't quite realize that yet. Quark yeah, has other things on his ears. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Odo makes the command, that, okay, everyone, please refrain from using your imagination. <laughs> to which everyone goes, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> fuck you, pig. <laughs> That's the stupidest line. <laughs> it's so great, though. Well, it's great, but I mean, like, Odo would have said something more like, you know, I'm closing this bar. Get the fuck back to your quarters and lock the doors. Well, that, yeah, that would be the right, expected yeah. reaction. Yeah. Also, isn't the station at Yellow Alert? Who can be playing Dabo during Yellow Alert? All those people, people. who are winning. <laughs> I guess. So, so Quark comes down the store with, with two, uh, two sluts uh, on his arms. I do like his and, line uh, here. Yeah, like, I like the fact it's like, I don't even care if this is like some sort of freaky Federation experiment that's gone awry. This is awesome. <laughs> I don't care what's causing it. I'm okay with it. I also just like that Quark's immediate expectation is, well, the Federation fucked something up again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> precedent, let's be honest. It's a lovely bit of self-awareness. <laughs> Quark's like, I haven't had a chance to show these ladies my collection of Tartarian landscapes yet. <laughs> I don't know if that's a metaphor or not, but I'm offended either way. <laughs> Why don't you come up to my room so I can show you my etchings? Pretty much. Uh, oh, so great. So I noticed that one of the chicks is Bajoran. So he does fantasize about Bajoran women. Well, you know, Dabo girls. Yeah, I guess that's true. Plus, you know, like he's, he's are... after Kira all the time, too, so... I like yeah. that Odo basically has to clue Quark in that he's about to lose his entire business. Right, right. And then and, and then uh, Quark immediately turns into Ruby Rad. <laughs> Get them titties out of him. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, uh, he starts freaking out as he starts losing his shirt. And then Odo just smirks and goes, ah, oh, you're outnumbered. Ha, ha, ha. Fuck off. And that's when he leaves. They have <laughs> he more had... imagination than you. <laughs> yeah. He had, he, had, he had to see Quark miserable, and then he could leave satisfied. Ugh. <laughs> All right, I love this scene here between real Jadzia and Bashir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bashir is like, I am so fucking sorry. Please forgive me. And Which is like, a, it's a realistic thing. And I just love how Jadzia is like, it's cool. I get it. I was a young dude once. Or twice. Well, also, I like her, her point that she makes like, 
you know, yeah, it's embarrassing for you, but also it's also a, a breach of privacy for us towards you. You know, I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing these private thoughts that you never wanted to express. So we're, we're kind of being rude by seeing them. So I understand. I thought that was very mature. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. But then she turns you. into Jadzia where she has to push his buttons. Because <laughs> yes. <of his buttons. laughs> uh, also, so you like kind of submissive, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> You like it, don't you? Yes, you do. <laughs> Which, of course, summons fake Jadzia. You right? In a well so deep that light itself cannot penetrate the bottom. <laughs> and now Jadzia starts getting pissed because it starts getting personal. Right, yeah. I like how she was like okay with it. She was mature until fake Jadzia showed up and started like making it worse. <laughs> It's like, oh, you know, she has a sense of humor. Ha ha ha. Oh, she's saying I don't have a sense of humor. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> well, you really got a handle on being this female thing, didn't you? Well, it's not your first time. That's true. That's oh, so saved funny. by the bell. There's the computer beeping. <laughs> oh, yeah. So fake Jazzy basically calls the real Jazzy like an ice queen and says that she's, you know, frigid. <laughs> Which basically means that Bashir's thinking that. Right. Right. Which is pissing Jadzia off. Yes. But it's not wrong. But she's also not wrong for being offended. Yeah. Oh, agreed. Agreed. I, I, I love the, the multiple layers of emotions that this scene goes through. It all feels very natural. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was well done, too. Um, yeah, like I said, I like the maturity they show. And then, and then yeah, it gets worse. Okay, so apparently there's some other star system that encountered the same phenomenon. Somebody tried to fix it, but it blew up and everyone died. So, uh-oh, there's now danger in the episode. So there you go. Woo. I just want to point out that even though it's like Star Trek computers beep all the fucking time. <laughs> Can you imagine yeah. if real computers like beeps as soon as like every time the text you're looking at changed? Well, mine does. Doesn't yours? We would disable that feature so fucking fast. <laughs> yeah, we would. It's really dumb. At the same time, though, like, you know, every time you get a text message or something, your phone makes noise. That's true, but like, mentioned, like, every time you pressed a letter key, it went beep. I could make my phone do that. Yeah, but would you want to do it, though? I never it tried. Other people, yes. I, never, I never tried. Now, what if there are a room full of people all using beeping computers at the same time typing? Then you're in ops or the bridge. Yes, well, guess, it would be... I guess... I guess it's the same way that like robots you want to oh, make no, you know clanking what? or it's piston the, noises. It's not the bridge or ops. You're in the uh, self checkout corral <laughs> when it's crowded. <laughs> well, if they're running the self checkouts. Yeah. Oh man. All, All right, right. So Brian's in ops doing O'Brien things and arguing with his leprechaun. <laughs> yeah, I'm the leprechaun. Yeah. <laughs> Quit it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for continuing that. I appreciate that. Uh, so, one thing I like about O'Brien is, again, he's, he's, he's a commissioned officer. And I, I love how he's an engineer, so he always has his sleeves rolled up. I've always just really enjoyed that for some reason. I like the fact that the engineer has his sleeves literally pushed up. <laughs> you know, Picard is not stand for that. He's fancy that way. All right, so they've launched a, a probe toward this thing, and they're trying to—they're getting telemetry from it and everything. So while O'Brien is trying to do his job to to to, to watch this thing, Rumpel Stiltskin is giving him shit and keeps teleporting in front of him and bonking his nose into the tip of his dick. Hey, O'Brien, got any wishes yet? Yeah, anything I can help with for a price? Nah, nah, nah. Oh, fuck no, go away. He's like, oh, I know what it is. You're scared of me. You're a coward. And O'Brien's like, no. No, no, I'm not scared of you. 
I'd be scared of anything. Well, yeah, I'd be afraid of any omnipotent, annoying creature. I mean, he could be a Q for all we know. He's a walking fucking monkey's paw. (laughs) Yes, he is. (laughs) Waiting for you to accidentally say something that he can interpret as a wish. Right. That's that's scary. Especially when you have a firstborn child. I mean, if he lost Molly, they'd never get a child after that cute again. (laughs) (laughs) God, I know we had another kid, but this one just is not as acute. I like how no, like, no one's helping O'Brien. No one's like distracting Rumpel Stillskin. They're just like letting him deal with his creature on the inside, on that side of ops. They don't want to deal with him. Yeah. Or Rumpel Stillskin. They're busy trying to memorize the techno babble they've got to spout off here. <laughs> yeah. So the Rumpel Stillskin finally does make almost a direct threat towards Molly, to which that pisses O'Brien off. He stands up ready to strangle the little fucker. He gets up and he's gone. Damn it. All this Irish rage and nowhere to put it. Let me tell you, it's frustrating. He could go home and see Keiko at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she needs to wear a pair of Irish sunglasses. That lunch better be ready when he gets Not there, too. Not now, I, Miles. I, I'm looking at plants. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> what? Were you having salad again? No, this is my job, remember? Oh, yeah. No, she's a teacher now. Oh, is she? Does she teach plants? <laughs> uh, Jake and Nog. So, kind of. <laughs> Wallflowers. Lol. All right. So Judzia is just pulling shit out of her ass. She has actually, she's looking at screen. She doesn't know what any of the numbers mean. So she's like, oh, uh, there's subspace anomalies and things are happening and things are falling into other things. This episode has the worst techno babble I've seen in a long time. It's completely meaningless. That's because it's completely superfluous to the plot. Yeah. And intentionally so, which they get back to, which I think is interesting. I, I do. I do like the resolution of this episode, but we'll get to that. All right, so, okay, shit's happening. So, there's a crisis on the station, so Cisco decides to go for a walk on the upper level of the promenade. And and hang out with Buck Bokai. Bokai. <laughs> uh, so, he's trying to explain to, to Bokai, he's like, look, you're, you're, you're not real. You're just a hologram. You're, you exist by some means we don't understand yet, but, you know, you're not real. So Bokai's like, hey, you want to talk about baseball? You know what I like? Baseball. I'm wearing a baseball uniform. You know what my favorite sport is? I think it's baseball. Oh, God. Instead of asking, like, where am I going to live and what am I going to do? It's like, hey, we should start a baseball team. God damn it. <laughs> oh, but here's where I learned about the final fate of baseball. <laughs> yes. Where it became eventually so boring that everyone stopped playing it. And stopped watching it. And the Kings appear. Now, when did, do we know when the Kings uh, moved to London? We don't even know which London they're talking about. <laughs> London, Kentucky. Well, London, Ontario, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the werewolf so yeah, but... of London, Ontario. <laughs> well, Isn't that also... a Kid Rock song? <clears throat> An American werewolf was... in Paris, Tennessee. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> Grr, y'all. <laughs> Intro quote? Yeah. <laughs> you should have known what would happen oh jeez yeah he's a werewolf he turns out like a basset hound <laughs> woof woof <laughs> well, well I wouldn't say it um <laughs> okay so let, let's get some history going on here so we, we know that World War 3 which was a nuclear war which killed like millions floor. of people occurred in what year in Star Trek? 
2018, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, yeah, he's talking about like the 42 World, World Series. And I know, so first contact was in 2063. And we know that it had been post-war for a couple of years. So, yeah, people weren't really concerned with baseball because the world was coming to an end. That's fine. It's fine. I mean, after the eugenics wars, World War Three. Yeah, come on. you know, really. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Are I, the eugenics wars, wars and World War Three separate wars, or were they the same war? They're separate wars, but one kind of set up set up for World War Three. Okay. It was kind of caused by the World War Three was kind of caused by the eugenics wars because the instability and the and then the augments fighting for control for the Earth. So World War Three was the eugenics wars to uh, well was. Yeah, World War Three was the World War Two to the Eugenics Wars, World War One. Exactly. That's, That's confusing, yeah. but it does make sense. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know what you mean. But yes, I, I think so. Meanwhile, I'm just trying to figure out: is there a crossover between like the whole eugenics mm-hmm. thing and when baseball was still going on? Because if so, maybe Buck Bukai is an augment. Uh, clearly, he is peak human. I mean, so <laughs> yeah. maybe the Eugenics Wars tied together to the Tour de France. <laughs> I uh I think those were those were more like the uh the war that that Q was talking about where the soldiers were chemically controlled. That's more like the Tour de France. <laughs> Remember that weird black quilted uniform he was wearing? Well, they need that. It's cold outside. Yeah, from nuclear fucking winter. Uh huh. But yeah, Cisco doesn't take any of this shit seriously. He's like, yeah, well, you can tell me all about baseball. I played with them all because you know I have a holiday. All right, I got work to do. Bye. And Buck gets all sentimental. It's like, oh, it means a lot to me that you cared about baseball when no one else did. There were only 300 people in the stands in the final World Series. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm glad you're gone. Baseball sucks. (laughs) How long were the games? Was the game by then? Like seven hours? (laughs) Probably. I don't know. Either that, they were so steroided up, like every hit was a fucking home run. Look at Buck Bokai. He is not on steroids. <laughs> no. no he's, he still has his original skin color, for one thing. I, I'm betting baseball been downgraded just a batting cage at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's just batting practice. The, 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 all the scores, all the stats were, were resolved down to one, which is batting average. <laughs> Runs the World Series just held at Goonie Golf. <laughs> uh, all right, so now we get an interesting scene. In some room somewhere on the station, the three imaginary characters blip into existence, begin conversing with one another. So now we get to see it's revealed that each one of these imaginary creatures is actually an alien taking on the form of these characters. And they're trying to figure out why humans and you know aliens to them, everybody on the station, is acting this way and what an imagination really is. So Jadzia Dax's uh, figment is like, why would he imagine like a, a a character like me and then not fucker. I mean, look at me. Look how perky my tits are. And why would he imagine a dwarf that terrifies him? And Bokai would be like, yeah, why did he imagine a baseball player that's so out of shape? <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't make any sense at all. See, this is the Star Trek that we love. The Star Trek asks questions about humanity. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to give you that, but yeah. <laughs> Sure. Sure. You can keep that discovery shit. This is what I want to say. <laughs> Why do humans imagine stupid shit? I don't know. 
which they never actually answer, by the way, in this episode. They, they never actually go, well, humans are, they never do the humans are this way speech. Let me tell you how awesome humans are. All right. So uh, we're in, uh, I guess we're in, we're in uh, Cisco's office off the little side there. And uh, they're having a little meeting and he's like, yeah, we've diverted other ships away from us. So, you know, nothing. So if something bad happens, no one else is harmed. And then this one they reveal, oh, the same thing happened to this other system. The system got destroyed because the people did this thing to it. So let's do that same thing to it and see if something different happens. <laughs> I think the people that did it the first time were Vulcans. Idiots. What do they know about science? <laughs> I've got a ponytail. Nothing says serious scientist like a ponytail. Can you imagine O'Brien with a ponytail? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Like a cheese puff on the back of his head. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing I do like about the scene is we get to see the uh, that Daedalus class ship model on uh, Cisco's uh, end table there. That ship is hideous. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely hideous. It is one of the ugliest ships I've ever seen, but it makes sense for like (laughs) for for what it is, like pre TOS. Milk bottle with a ball at the end of it. <laughs> Seriously, I you take off the warp nacelles. Space travel. <laughs> I mean, you take off the warp nacelles, you can just imagine it vibrating through space <laughs> between your thighs. I don't. There's not much space down there. <laughs> I know when you walk, it smells like it sounds like cordyroid. Smells like bacon. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, okay, they're going to modify some photon torpedoes to do Thoron emissions to see if they can seal the breach or some bullshit. And for some reason, we have to evacuate all the personnel off the pylons. We don't have a, like an intercom system. We can just tell people in the pylons to come down. We have to manually walk over and they go, hey. No, there, there is an get intercom. Out of but the they pylons. Can, no, there is an intercom, but they can only access it from inside the pylons. Oh, my God. It's so funny. This is Cardassian architecture at its finest. <laughs> Basically, yeah. What the shit? Oh, Kira, you're, this is your job. Oh, Odo can help you. So walk to the pylons and go, hey, get out. Oh, all right. Well, walk I, I and turbo lift at least. I mean, I honestly don't I don't get it. But whatever. So, yeah, all right. So cut down the promenade, and then we got all the security teams chasing emus through the promenade. <laughs> Just adorable. So, I Jack like D. Sachs out. playing over it. <laughs> I want to know who was imagining the emus. <laughs> that was actually my question earlier. There's some seriously perverted alien on this station. Yeah, either that or someone was reading about the Great Emu War, or somebody was really hungry. <laughs> what if it was just Odo imagining him all along, like subconsciously? <laughs> he doesn't want to admit it. Uh. All right, so I would like to point out there, there, there are two emus now, so I yeah. think it comes important later. Um, yeah, I think it was emi. Emu times two. Emu. All right, so Kira gets off the uh, gets off the lift, steps into the corridor, and whoosh! <laughs> this this is Kira's imagination. Yes, mm-hmm. she imagines death and destruction, people burning to death in front of her. <laughs> yeah. So a man on fire comes running at her, screaming in agony. He's fully involved, runs at her and some screaming towards her. She falls to fetal position and then it all disappears. Kira's imagination is hardcore. 
Like that's some RoboCop shit right there. <laughs> uh, Shows how much money they had to waste on this episode. They could afford a full fire suit. <laughs> or they could afford to pay a hobo twenty dollars to let him on fire. <laughs> I mean the economy, you know. All right, so she pulls out her tricorder and starts trying to figure out what's going on, and she quickly realizes, oh, this is this is just bullshit. But her eyeliner is on point. <laughs> All right, I so yeah, generation tricorder, not a Bajoran one. I, you know, I wondered that too when I was watching this because that actually works. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't just pick up Cardassian life signs with like target symbols on them. <laughs> just a Cardassian detector. <laughs> What right. else would they uh, need? Yeah. All right. So they're still chasing the two emu down the promenade. <laughs> Quark comes running out and starts chasing after him and saying, Odo, Odo. Um, <laughs> Odo, I've lost my sluts. <laughs> <laughs> the blood of the brunette, they're gone. Odo's like, Bitches left. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> and uh, then the emus disappear and are replaced by the sluts. Yeah. Isn't that convenient? Hmm. I think it'd be one of kind of one like lift our leg and farts and a bunch of feathers come out. <laughs> Some pretty birds. Yeah. Yeah. Chicks. Haha. Uh-huh. All right. So. <laughs> well, Quark asks Odo what he's imagined. Nothing. I have no. I haven't had. Moves. I haven't had time. I've been chasing prophets and blizzards and trollops. <laughs> trollops. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah. So, Quark is going to go back and fuck some birds, I guess? You know. So, Odo, Odo walks into the security station, walks into his office, and scoffing the whole time. <laughs> Do a personnel sweep of all the pylons. Murf, herf, murf. So, he looks over at one of the screens. And then suddenly, Quark is on one of the screens, which Odo jumps up and goes, what the fuck? And Quark is... <laughs> Quark is screaming, let me out of here. Help me, help me. How did you get in there? Uh, okay, so <laughs> Odo's imagination fucking sucks. <laughs> he seems, well, he seems look, we, it's established. We know what his hobby is. Seeing Quark in pain. Yeah. And thus he is and satisfied. I like how Odo weirdly like goes along with us, like, oh yeah, I guess I did put you in there. And as soon as he acknowledges it, then Quark Figment disappears and Odo just kinda like chuckles to himself. Ha ha ha. Well, that's because the so, fantasy's over at that point. I, I guess so. Odo I mean Odo like Cisco is just like, meh, whatever. I mean they're totally not concerned about any of this shit. Well, it's just too practical. Well, no, he's concerned this. about the shit what he's what it's causing him what it's giving him a lot more work to do. He doesn't give a shit. When it's giving him entertainment. I guess so. It also suggests that if everybody else just kind of went along with what was going on, it would be over with already. Yeah. So the next scene's kind of weird because a uh, a pudgy middle-aged man in skin-tight clothing appears in the same room with a prepubescent boy. <laughs> and tries to get him to do things that he knows is wrong. <laughs> I think I saw this episode of Different Strokes. <laughs> remember jake just say no jake you sure you don't want to fondle my balls intro quote <laughs> choke right. up on the bat 
<laughs> you might notice the mitt's nice and loose and warm. That's because I keep it oiled. <laughs> yeah, well oiled. So, which is weird. So, so Bubba Kai is trying to convince him to stop doing his homework to come play baseball. And then Jake strangely imagines his dad there making fun of him for it or something. Judging him. I guess. It's like an imagination within an imagination. Yeah, I mean, him, Jake, being a 14-year-old boy, I'm pretty sure he would be imagining other things right about now. Wait, why isn't he imagining tits? Thank you. He's a boring, boring child. I want to be a journalist when I grow up. <laughs> he didn't know that yet. <laughs> it's even more boring. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to do homework. Yeah, like they have homework in the 24th century. Fuck you. No, in the 24th century, they make eight-year-olds do calculus. <laughs> yeah, true. true story. Um, That's all right. the new math. <laughs> it's Common Core. Fuck Common Core. That shit's stupid. It, yes, it is. It's terrible. Having done some of that homework, <clears throat> yeah, it sucks. All right. Um, Jadzia is like, Ben, I need to see you. So somehow from his office, he hears this and comes out and goes, what the fuck's going on? Oh, there's technobabble occurring. The rate of technobabble is increasing. How much time until the technobabble destroys the station? I don't know. Technobabble. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Hey, chief, how soon are you going to be ready with all that technobabble? Uh, in technobabble minutes, sir. Nobody cares. This is bullshit. <laughs> All right. I've I've seen Voyager episodes with better techno babble. Yeah, the, that's just shameful. Now, the, the effect is cool though. So they they finally get visual effect on the on the anomaly, whatever it is, and it's kind of a neat effect. Is a hole. It's like a. Well, it looks like an infinitely. It's like, in like infinite poop, but in reverse. I don't know what your poops look like. I drink a lot of Gatorade. <laughs> Universe go down the hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rumble still's gonna be like I pushed a button. <laughs> <laughs> I pushed the button. Now give me your firstborn child. <laughs> <laughs> Push button, receive firstborn. So again, the uh, ops lift is used for fantastic dramatic effect as Kira comes gliding up, looking like fucking Batman. Da -da -da -da. All right. So everyone's staring at the blue butthole of doom. Uh, yes, it's so dangerous and scary, and it's just getting worse, and no one knows why. And okay, all right. One this last goes shag. on for basically forever. Yeah. Uh, so they fire torpedoes at it. More techno babble forever, and the techno babble gets worse. <laughs> yeah, so they finally go to red alert. They, they re raise shields to 158%. They fire these modified torpedoes to try to stabilize or shrink it or whatever. Everything looks fine. Yeah, I'm going to kind of skip ahead a little bit here because this is goddamn boring. And then the techno babble goes off. Then the techno, the bad things start happening and everything goes to hell. The only thing notable about any of this is Kira reading science reports. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which is pretty brilliant. XV, would you like to? I, I got the screenshot because I'm not going to do it justice otherwise. <laughs> oh, so many right. screenshots so, of the other episode. Yeah, they, they fire the torpedoes into the uh, blue butthole of doom. 
uh, and they get to whatever point inside of it. They detonate the torpedoes. Ba-boom! Yay! The wave intensity from the rift is dropping. The Technobabble is less dangerous now. But suddenly, Thoron... suddenly, perimeter sensors are picking up a subspace oscillation, which Kira reads off a screen and then follows with, what the hell does that mean? Because she doesn't, she's not a science officer. Well, <laughs> no, she's probably, that's probably just not a visitor saying that, going, what the fuck am I reading? <laughs> That wasn't a line in the script. That was Nana Visitor <laughs> complaining about her job. Yeah, it's just, it's just the best. You get a character reading a report off of a sensor, and it's like, what is that supposed to mean? I don't know this. Yeah, it was like, like in Galaxy Quest. It was uh, Sigourney Weaver's phasers? character. <laughs> uh, the Technobabble counts have tripled. Oh, no. Now, now everything's shaking, and nothing makes sense. They don't understand why this is happening against all the laws of okay. physics. And Let's all fast forward here to where things start to matter again. When Rumpelstiltskin says, I can make this all go away if you give me Molly. And then he makes Keiko and Molly appear in ops. Blip. And they're terrified and confused, which makes sense. Well, that'll make O'Brien's choice you know, a lot harder, right? <laughs> yeah. And I like the fact that uh, he stands there, stands there, and stands there, and it doesn't say anything. Uh, and until Cisco finally says, no, don't do it, Chief. I know you're thinking about it. <laughs> he was this fucking close. He was this close to not having to eat another goddamn seaweed salad. No, it was for the firstborn, not for Keiko. Uh, well, you should probably leave him after that, though. Yeah, if, if, yeah. If, sure, you can take that's the firstborn good, child. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he knew that she would leave. I mean, he was this close to getting out of all this shit. I go to the farthest edge of federation space and i still gotta deal with this shit it's not federation space either it's bajoran space they're not part of the federation they've gone oh, no, they've right. left federation space okay you're right you're right settle down no i'm just saying it's even worse than that he's dead jim calm down public school <laughs> yeah don't don't get your techno babble in a twist all right so cisco quickly puts it all together it's like wait a minute you imagined that this was gonna happen you didn't know you just imagined that it was this kind of thing and then you looked at the hanoi system you imagined it was the same thing and you you imagined that this was happening and you imagined this and if you just click your heels together three times we'll be home uh lower the Jadzia, shield yeah this is your fault you imagined this nonsense <laughs> this is completely Jadzia's fault all right so he ends the red alert lowers the shields Everyone kind of complies. And then somehow, via order, he turns off everyone's imagination in the room. Well, they're good officers, you know. <laughs> yeah. So whatever, now at this point, whatever Cisco says is what happens. Oh, there are no shock aftershocks at all. And everything stops shaking. And, oh, this is happening. And then everything just kind of disappears. That's well, because they start imagining that nothing's happening. I guess. <laughs> I mean, either that or Cisco is just that ballsy. He can just flop his dick out and make reality whatever he wants. Or the aliens that are watching this realize that Cisco's figured it out, and so they just end it. That's probably the real answer. <laughs> Boring, but yes, that's probably actually it. He solved our riddle. And so everyone disappears. Yeah. So they go, well, it may have still has something to do with those Thoron emissions. We don't know. To which Cisco, having learned nothing, says, Dax, keep investigating and tell me what the real issue was. But no speculation. <laughs> oh, God. Just the facts. Yeah. Brian, get those children off my bridge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and those somewhere, somewhere, in this whole, somewhere in this whole process, imaginary Jadzia basically almost died. 
Yeah, she had like a concussion or something. So what? Whatever. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, because only Bashir could have an imaginary friend die. <laughs> <laughs> that seems for like O'Brien's thing, but I'll, I'll give and, it to you anyway. And he's a doctor, so how about that? <laughs> no, O'Brien would have his only real friend die, and it'd be his fault. <laughs> Right, like burned alive by plasma flow or something because he forgot to shut a valve. Something horrible. No, because he forgot because he had to do it to save someone else. Oh, I see. All right, you know that's suffering. Yeah. So we cut into Cisco's uh, office and he goes to the couch and sits down and starts thinking to himself. But that looks like the most uncomfortable couch. Look how how short the seat is. Like how little it sticks out from the back. Yeah, you can't like recline or anything onto that. No, they pulled out of the back of like a, a, a truck's half cab. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it looks like. Well, everyone in the future has good posture, so it doesn't matter. All right, so Buck Bukai blips into existence and goes, "Hey, you know this whole imagination thing's been hard for us to understand, dude." So Cisco susses it out, like, you're not just a figment of imagination, you're something else, you're a creature. And then we finally get the big reveal, yeah, we're a bunch of aliens, and this is how we figure out about alien species, is we manifest ourselves in this way. Cisco just goes, why the fuck didn't you just talk to us? And then he makes some stupid excuse, like, oh, you never know, like, how the other people will react. To which I call fucking bullshit, because this is the Federation, they're known for exploratory and having first contact. Come on. Well, these well they said they came to the, the wormhole. Yeah. So Still, they didn't encounter the Federation before. You watch people for a little while and you realize, oh, wait a minute, they're on a station full of all these other aliens. They seem to get along really well. Maybe we can just present ourselves. Oh, whatever. I think it's kind of a bullshit thing of the aliens to go, well, this is just how we do it. Well, also, like, okay, so their whole deal is they manifest through imagination, but they've never encountered people with imagination before? Uh, exactly. Wh- what? Uh, y- yeah. No, I don't think they specifically manifest through imagination. They just chose to take images from their imaginations to interact with them to try to understand the concept better. Yeah, so why did they pick this time and this place to to study the topic of imagination? Seems kind of weird. Because that's when the cameras were there. (laughs) (laughs) You had to be filming. You didn't see the episode that happened before this when the cameras weren't there. They encountered an alien that was much more interesting. I mean, um... If you think about it, there's nothing going on at this time on the station where it's like, okay, why did this happen at this specific point in time? This is just a day on the station. Right, right. Um, so Buck Buckeye tosses him, uh, tosses Ben the uh, the baseball. Is this the baseball that he keeps on his desk? No, because that one's much more brown. Okay. This is like a fresh white one. Okay. So Cisco says, like, but you didn't tell us anything about you. Nope. Maybe yep, we'll you're talk right. about it next year in season two. Later, shit lords. Maybe <laughs> we'll never be mentioned again. <laughs> Perhaps yeah. you imagined it all. Yeah, and if that were the case, then your imagination does suck. This is the best you could imagine. <laughs> so so there we go. If wishes were horses. Um, if wishes were horses, we'd all be knee-deep in shit. Well, I, I was going to say that if, if there were horses in this episode, it would have been much more interesting. Unfortunately, all they could afford was emus. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a single fucking horse in this whole episode, so... What the hell? Which of these aliens are, like, half Q, half founder? That makes the most sense, right, guys? Maybe maybe they probably got some Borg in them, too. Yeah. 
But there's a little Tribble. Kazon. <laughs> yes, the all-powerful Kazon. <laughs> they barely know how to break spaceships. <laughs> Surprised they have artificial gravity. <laughs> well, clearly not judging by their hair. <laughs> there was gravity. Their hair would not look that way. Okay, they're they're artific- gravity. They just don't have shampoo. Their artificial <laughs> gravity is a little bit flawed. It pulls from both directions. <laughs> constantly passing out. <laughs> yeah, they're the only species that experiences tidal forces inside their ships. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. So, here we go. DS9. That was... um. What was That's... the point of all that? <laughs> exactly. Ryan meets the leprechaun. <laughs> well, I mean, what, did, what did we learn? I mean, what was the moral of the story? What did we gain? In, did we gain insight on humanity or anything? Or... Well, we found out that O'Brien hates himself. Well, I think we knew that already. He is Irish. Hmm. We yes, learned but... that Sheer uh, hates women. <laughs> And that Kira just imagines dying horribly all the time. Yes, yeah, she fantasizes about. <laughs> she's like zoned out, drinking right to Gino. What do you think about Kira? Oh, nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> and Jedzia imagines space anomalies that don't make any sense. <laughs> Which explains a lot about this whole fucking series, doesn't it? I'm sure I don't know what you mean, Scott. Jesus, she's the worst science officer ever. Spock yes, but, would have figured this shit out in two seconds. But at least she knows what it means when the sensor reports come in on the computer. <laughs> that's true. I mean, yeah, she's still smarter than Kira, but that's not really a high bar. <laughs> not really a high bar. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I feel like we accomplished. We, we survived that one, too, guys. No, that one's kind of fun. It's fun, but it's not good. That's. I think that's why it's fun. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, like the good episodes aren't fun to talk about so much, and the fun episodes aren't really there was like good some... episodes. <laughs> I do wish there was like a point to it, though. I wish there had been some sort of insight or or any point they were trying to make. But there was literally no point to any of this. Wow, it's almost like it was a filler episode. <laughs> oh, it was totally a filler episode, <laughs> like all of season one. <laughs> if we could just make it a season two, guys. It's almost like they needed to film a bottle episode. Yeah. All of All DS9 right. is a bottle episode. <laughs> yes, a large portion <laughs> of it actually is. I imagine, like, all the money they would have spent on extra sets or location shooting went into the snow and the emus and the fire suit. Yeah, because that snow scene only lasted for, like, a second, and that was a lot of artificial snow to put in a pretty large area to get that effect. I bet that was the last thing they shot. Could be. Could well, be. I mean, like in in a practical sense, it would it would be best to do a big thing like that as the last shot of the episode. So, like, you're not under as much of a time constraint to get that shit cleaned up. Like, you're yeah. not losing time on the next scene because you have to sweep the snow away. Yeah, that's a level of making the sausage that I just I never even consider. And see, that's the kind of thing that interests me about uh, you know TV and movie production. How so little of it is shot in sequence. Unless you're Toei. Right. But I also like Toei's approach with Super Sentai and stuff where, like, they do shoot it basically uh, where they're editing it in camera effectively. So, like, you know, 
all they have to do when they get back is stitch the shots together and do their special effects. It probably saves them a ton of time. Yeah, well, I mean, does it save time? Because if they have like two scenes in the in the show where they put on their suits, it means they got to get in their suits and then get out to location and then take off the suits and get back to like whatever building they're filming in and then back out to location and put their suits on to fight. I mean, no, like it's it well, no, it's like they shoot all like all of the shots for a episode or pair of episodes that are shot at one location. They do in the about the order that they're going to be in the show. I see. Still seems weird. That makes yeah. perfect sense. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, is I mean it, it does make dealing with continuity easier since and you're... as much trouble as they have with that as is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, it means not having to constantly uh, remove and reapply like the uh, injury makeup or uh, uh, or the burn marks on the costumes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, it is weird how like 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 movies and stuff do that too. They film things completely out of order and stitch it together later. I always thought it was fascinating. I mean, watch documentaries where it's like someone's explaining something and they're like out in the middle of the desert talking about something and then like it cuts and now they're like in some like jungle or something no, talking about the same fine. thing. <laughs> you know, and it's weird. It's like it's like they're they're continuing the same sentence or something. And it's like oh god, how much planning did that take? They're like okay, here's the script. We're going to film this portion over here, and they sit together like it's just part of like one conversation. Also, that was kind of funny. I mean, then again, I'm, I'm, on the one hand, I kind of like that stuff. I don't like it being overused, but it is kind of neat when it's used properly. Yeah, well, it's like a, a narration, like in a, in, a, in a graphic or something. He's explaining something, and so this happens, and here, this, that, and the other, and then it cuts to like them in the desert walking around. They're like, "Well, the, the thing is about this thing, and it does this, and it's just like it's like a continuous I, scene." I, I think it's, I think Bill Nye was one of the things that used that a lot and well. Yeah, yeah. When has Bill Nye ever done something well? Ooh, damn. His last Netflix thing, you know, let's not count that. Well, that was an abortion in the face of God. It it was terrible. I, I agree with you. But he's always been lesser than Beekman. I have to agree with that, too. <laughs> Beekman, was was, always... Beekman was a Star Trek, the original series of science shows for kids. Actually, that's really Mr. Wizard. Beekman is Next Generation. Agreed. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think... Mr. Wizard's kind of in a class by itself. Uh, Mr. Wizard's TOS. Absolutely, he's TOS. I'm more thinking in terms of, like, um, you know, production level. Beekman strikes me more as a TOS level thing. Uh, Beekman was awesome. Had dude in a rat suit and <laughs> Liza. Had penguins. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm not saying it wasn't awesome. I'm just saying, like, in terms of, like, presentation and, you know, set assets and stuff. Meanwhile, Bill Nye had an episode where uh, they threw their three uh, Emmys into a pool to see if they'd float. <laughs> Did well, they? that's science-y. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, it's not at all ball-showing at all, is it? <laughs> Did, Did they float? Emmys? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> One of the things I remember most about Bill Nye, though, is his amphibious car. It, did it look like a frog? No. Should have. Um, like red and cream colored. Mm. Don't really Just get frogs like, like that. <laughs> well, if you lick them, they start changing all kind of colors. <laughs> so what are we doing in two weeks? A matter of time. What is that? Uh, TNG. 
Season 5, Episode 9, apparently. Which one is it? A Matter of Time. Okay, I'll just Google it then, since you're being unhelpful. Well, I, okay, so, like, first I said it was a matter of time, then I said the episode number, or the season number and episode number, then you asked which one it was. Well, you didn't even say which series, though. Oh, I thought that was implied. This is one of my favorites. <laughs> yes, it's TNG. A time traveler, yeah, a time traveler claiming to be from oh, okay. the 6th century arrives to witness an attempt to save Matt a doomed planet. It's Matt Frewer. Yes. It's a Matt, Matt Frewer episode. Okay. Yes, awesome. I love yeah, we, Matt Frewer. We talked about this three or four weeks ago, I think, doing this and episode. I forgot about it. Yeah. And when I come over next week, I'm going to show you another episode I want to put on the schedule, but I'd like to get your take on it first. Okay. I want to do Pen Pals at some point as well. I watched that uh, recently. I, I think that's totally doable. And it's some interesting things going on in it. I watched it recently based on you having watched it and expressing an interest in podcasting it, so... It's more season two goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough Pulaski, though. Cool. Good. I think we have good. We have uh, two weeks from now. We have an episode, and we got like a nice pool of future episodes we could do too. So that's that's nice. I'm glad we got like something to look forward to. Although most of our pool of undated episodes are TNG episodes, and we're going to need some stuff to go in between those. Yes, well, that's uh, fine. It can't be all one to... series all the time. We need oh, to get some original series going on, really. Okay, a piece of the action. Which one is that? Uh, Planet Gangsters. Yep. I'm just saying that because it's one of the ones in the pool. <laughs> okay. We can watch that when I come over. We can probably fit in time for a couple episodes. Yeah. I think it's better. Maybe we should do the arena. Do you think there's enough to there's, talk about with that? There's not. No, I think about it. no. I'm mainly just Kirk staggering around the the desert. Yeah, because I mean, like, there's there's elements of that episode I really like and would be interesting to discuss. It's just the fact that it's only about 15 minutes worth of the episode. Is that yeah. the Gorn one? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. This one of those episodes you can just sum it up in like a few sentences. He goes here, he does this, this happens, he does this thing, and then it's over. I mean, the most notable part of that is, um, well, first him trying to punch a dinosaur man. Yeah. Like that that's Hilarious. a classic Kirk right there. Yeah. Um, and then him somehow being able to figure out how to make a bamboo cannon. Right. It's like saltpeter and sulfur and makes gunpowder and then shoots him. Right. That's it. Yep. Did that? I so saw. I watched the original Blade Runner over the weekend. That that, that takes commitment. It did. <laughs> I know. And it's, also, and it's also one of those stories that, like that, you can just you can sum it up in just a few sentences. This happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then it's done. It doesn't take an hour and a fucking half to tell the story of Blade Runner. It would if we it's... did it. <laughs> It'd take two hours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like Blade Runner for what it is. I mean, it's it's mood, the movie, basically. Yes, aesthetic. But, yeah, it, it requires commitment. You're going to say, I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to watch Blade Runner from beginning to end, and I'm not going to give up. <laughs> I never succeeded. Yeah, it, it's true. It, it takes a certain level of stamina and commitment to, to get through it, because you're just like, okay, we get it. You're looking, like, just off camera. For 45 seconds to a minute. It, it takes like Kubrick-level commitment to watch Blade Runner. <laughs> almost. Not quite, but almost. Does it take uh, Letterman joke commitment to watch? <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> See, you I'm tying it good. back together. I'm bringing it back around. <laughs> oh, brilliant. 
No, I mean, it's, maybe at some point we should do, like, a special format episode where we just, like, briefly talk about several episodes that we like but aren't really, like, long-form discussable. Like a clip show? Sweet Jesus, that's brilliant. Interesting. The gears are yes. turning. <laughs> See, what I, would yeah, want, a... what I would want to do is, yeah, record short segments on several random episodes, and then afterward record framing conversations <laughs> to actually make it be like a traditional clip show. That's how we should end season two. <laughs> yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> See, I actually thought about that, like doing Shades of Grey one week, and it's just like I take uh, back catalog clips out of old episodes. We're only talking... We would need... We would just need to do these parts describing the scenes. That no, because okay, so like my theory on this, what what I had envisioned for this was <laughs> we would talk about all the like original footage, uh, like all the new shot stuff for Shades of Grey, and in between where all the clips from old episodes would go, I would just take a random old episode <laughs> from the podcast and put it there. Not even like one that corresponds. Like there'd be a Voyager episode in one of the segments. Did you go back to? the uh old show <laughs> yes yes uh superhero time toku clips too yeah <laughs> star trek clip awesome yes take a little bit from the godzilla episode even <laughs> oh no we, we don't do that we've done we so many that. we've done so many terrible things <laughs> armored heroes Ugh. No, no, I think this, I think in one form or another, this, uh, this clip show idea has some merit. Oh, agreed. I, I kind of want to do it just as the, we record short clips about episodes we haven't talked about before, though, because that actually gets us, like, able to talk about those even in brief. Yeah. Yeah, because even the bad episodes have one or two things in them that should be talked about. We just don't want to spend an hour and a half talking about the boring shit. Well, and the thing is, too, like, doing that... We also have the opportunity to talk about episodes just based on our memories, maybe, without having, like, watched and studied the episodes. Yeah. I'd have to sit that one out. <laughs> okay, Fort Max, just go right now and get on Netflix and get started watching all of Star Trek. All of it? Yeah. All I have of... the Blu-ray sets of TOS and TNG. I just haven't got, had the time to watch them with the hell of overtime recently that, oh, we were off of it last week and, oh, we're back on overtime again already. Why didn't you watch it last week then? Ooh. You had plenty of time then. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's we're just so... like how got the Transformers Victory DVDs that I have yet to open. That's fine. They're they're best left in their original packaging. <laughs> You haven't experienced victory until you've experienced it in the original shrink wrap. <laughs> Meanwhile, with Headmasters, you haven't experienced that until you've experienced the original English. Yes. That's if been, only that was a thing that existed. That's been mm -hmm. Kilby's joke recently. Headmasters in the original English. Damn it! He retroactively stole my joke! <laughs> I'm traveling, motherfucker. <laughs> Beautiful. Intro quote. Yeah, sure. I need more Fort Max. <laughs> uh, guess about where that was. That'll probably work. Okay, then. So, no episode next week. I'm telling the listener, not you guys, because you already know. 
Uh, but we will be back, what, the second Tuesday in August? Yes, the 7th. Yep, 7th. August 7th. We'll be that back. Trans- would not be the second Tuesday. Okay, this is marked in recording days, not broadcast days. So we'll be back on the 8th. Oh, this is getting mighty complicated. <laughs> yeah, temporal mechanics is not your strong suit. I hate temporal mechanics. You know, I hate that episode now because I realize there's probably a pun in that. Because O'Brien's a mechanic, and he was time-traveling at the time. Yep. He's a temporal mechanic. (sighs) (laughs) I used to like Visionary so much, too. The Hasbro line? No, that's Don. Did they go back and kill your childhood? I never had a childhood. Oh, my God. Well, you were hatched fully formed? Sure, let's call it that. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to touch those emotional scars. Uh, so back to visionaries. Why? Why? Well, you, <laughs> you mentioned them. I want to know what's going on with them. You mentioned them. No, I mentioned visionary, the DS9 episode with the temporal mechanics joke. Oh. The visionaries are back in pog form. <laughs> oh. Well, let's see. What was it last year? Pop vinyl, I think. I think this year it's G.I. Joe retool. Yeah, in an STCC set. So, you know, that's a thing. Don's all excited. Because he's the last person on Earth who cares about visionaries. Yeah. Yeah, apparently 2017 is the year that caters to Don's taste exclusively. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... It's going... Things are going to get kind of creepy then. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, everybody gets one year, right? I'm still waiting for the year of orange. 2018 is going to be a very dark time for Don. They're going to cancel Velveeta and Miracle Whip. Oh apparently, no, it's just going to be so expensive no one can afford to buy it anymore. Yeah, actually, apparently Don's already given up Velveeta because it's become, you know, $7, $8 for a brick of it. Good God. I know, Velveeta is not worth that much money. Liquid gold. <laughs> I like what Rob Clay calls it. Cheese slag. <laughs> That's like the most apt description of Velveeta I can think of. Yeah, because it needs a qualifier. You can't just call it cheese because it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's congealed yellow gravy. Mm. Yellow gravy. It's my favorite kind of gravy that's not white or brown. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like cheese-ish. Yeah, what's not to love? <laughs> I'm getting good at making nacho cheese sauce, though. Maybe we'll get good making guacamole next. Yeah, we'll see. My second batch of guacamole that used mostly fresh ingredients was actually much better than the one I took the picture of that time. Mm. Didn't I tweet out the picture of the last one? I think you so. Did. It was in the big plastic bowl. Looked much more stable and solid. <laughs> stable? I have unstable guacamole? <laughs> Didn't look denser, take... more solid? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> He's like unstable molecules. I haven't used that character name yet. Shut up. <laughs> I am denser, more stable. Hey, that's good. I'm gonna use that. Yeah, you should. It's 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 uh, it's out in the ether now, so I don't have a, I don't have a copyright on it. It's out in the flogiston. <laughs>